Man, all this fits right in with what we're talking about in Romans chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to take them with me. Turn to Romans chapter 3. Romans 12, I'm sorry. Romans 12, verse 3. Romans 12, verse 3. Romans 12 verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. I would add this, it's, it's your life. This is your life. You have been given a life to serve others, and you will rejoice in it. When you use your gift, there is nothing. Oh, I will give you this. I, I don't want to give a lot of commercials. I'm sorry. But I will tell you, my father did not want me to preach. Did not want me to be a pastor. He had no desire. And he was constantly, you should think about teaching. You should go into this teaching thing. and You should do this. And, and find, I got tired of it, <laughs> to be honest with you. I'm a 19-year-old boy. How many are tired of your dad telling you what to do? Nobody? <laughs> At 19, I was. But I was honest with him. And one day I came back and he told me, you know, you need to be a teacher. You got to go that direction. I said, Dad... I don't have a choice. And it's not your choice, and it isn't my choice. It's his choice. I have to be a preacher. That's what I am designed to do, is preach the Word. From that moment on, I never heard a word about it. (laughs) That's what God gifts us with. Just like that. I have no other choice. This is what it is, and I love it. How many understand that? I love to get into the Word and preach the Word. I, I feel lost when, I'll be honest with you, we have a young man living in our home right now, Caleb, he's right there. <clears throat> I don't want to embarrass him, but I, I go to his dad's church when I go to Montana. And I'm just like, man, I want to preach, I want to preach. <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> I just want to preach. That's what God has called me to do. I, when I see Christians, and it's, so it's, it's very foreign to me, when I see Christians just doing nothing, when I see Christians not with anybody else and just being alone and just this is my life, i just uh, waiting for the rapture, I think, how can you do that? It's foreign to me. It, it doesn't make any sense. And I will be honest with you, it's foreign to the text. It's our service of life to worship and serve other, to worship God and serve other people. And do not be conformed to this world. And that's the phrase I think all of us have been in some form and fashion. We are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, the daily 
the saturation of the Word of God. Why? So that you may prove what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. One of the greatest questions in all of my ministry, the ministry God has given me, is what is the will of God? From now on, my answer is, read the text. Saturate yourself in the Lord. And you will know the will of God for your life. But you're not going to know it just going, okay, I'm you know, I'm going to do this in the flesh. Flesh and bones. It's not with flesh and bones, right? Not the works of my own. It's the gifts of God. That's how we live. That giftedness. I, do we have a lady in this church I, that I, I'm standing back there waiting to talk to people as they leave? I told her yesterday, I said, I am so, last Sunday, I am so thankful for you. There's not a person in this room that hasn't gotten a birthday card or a Christmas card or something from you to encourage them. Praise the Lord for your giftedness. Amen? Problem is, we think that this diagram, I keep bringing it up over and over again because it's that important. This not only is about your salvation, this is also about your giftedness. In other words, you will not know how to serve others until you're saturated in the Word of God. You have the knowledge. Once you have that knowledge, it will impact your heart. Once you impact your heart, you don't have a choice but to do that gift. Amen? Know God is to love God, which then our desire is to please Him. Verse 3 and 4, for through the grace given to me, even Paul understood all this. I didn't make this on my own. I didn't go study all this. I didn't go learn all this. Now, there's nothing wrong with refining and growing your gift. Amen. <clears throat> but it's a grace, it's the grace of God. Given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. We need to be humble people. Why? It's not about us. It's about Him. And until, it, uh, until it's about Him, we are prideful and arrogant. Don't think of ourselves more highly than we ought to, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a member, a measure of faith. He's given to each and every one of us an, a measure of faith for just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function. This last, passage, this last part of it is where we're going to spend our time this morning on. We've already gone through all of it down to this measure of faith. Last week we finished that up. But for just as we have many members in one body, when our mind, I want, this is what it's saying, when our mind is being renewed, God's greatness is understood more clearly. Does that make sense? 
when we are being saturated in the Word of God, when we're, we get in the car and we turn on the radio and it's, it's Christian radio, which whatever that means today, I have no idea. But, but there's, there's sermons on there, the reading the scripts, the text of the scripture, they're singing about God. We're knowing more about Him. And, and it's saturating us. Man, we get excited about God. Amen. And when we do that, God becomes greater and greater. How much greater can He be? I, can, I don't know, but I can't wait to find out. He is going to blow our minds with His greatness. We are only getting glimpses, amen. Unfortunately, many Christians aren't even getting that. They're getting blips. And they live their life normally according to the world. When our mind... is being renewed god's greatness is understood more clearly resulting in honest humility it is impossible to be saturated to know the lord and to be saturated in his word and to come out and thinking well you know it's just a thing i do on sunday it's impossible Honest humility is a result of saturation of the Word. Does that make sense? The Bible says it this way, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. This is important. It's not about us, and nor is it secondarily about us. I, mean, I think all of us would agree it's about God, right? It's not about us, it's about Him. Amen? Well, not only is it not about us primarily, but secondarily, it's not about us either. It's about loving God and serving others. Amen? It's about loving God and serving others. Clothe yourself with humility. How? Toward one another. The one another's in Scripture is fascinating. That's where we're going to be at this morning not dealing with all the one another's, but looking at what the text says about the one another's. For God is opposed to the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Hebrews chapter 10, we read this one last week and it's so powerful. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, 24 through 25 is a big deal. It's talking about stimulating. Look, at, look what it says. Let us consider how to What? stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Our job on this earth is to serve each other. Amen. We serve and love God by serving one another. Stimulate one another. Encourage one another. Build one another up in the Lord. Don't just say they look nice. My goodness. Amen. Encourage them in the Lord. How do you do that? When do you do that? Well, then he brings out the issue. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. We do that when we're together. How many see, I mean, is that obvious there? We do the one another gifts when we are together. When we see our fa the faces face to face. Amen. And then the text tells us that as is the habit of some. Obviously this was going on in the early church. 
but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. How many of you had a time when you're like, man, I wish I was with my church right now. I wish I knew what this text meant right now. It's interesting, and by the way, one of the things we discussed in our elders meeting, I think it's very important, is so Sunday, the reason we are long in our service isn't because the pastor's long-winded, although maybe he is, I don't know. But here's the reality. The reality is most of you come from a long ways away. Not all of you, but many of you do. And therefore, Sunday nights, there's like a handful of people. And so if I have this text... Can, can you imagine preaching Romans 1, 2, and oh, let's just forget 3, that was Sunday night, and then your Sunday, next Sunday morning is Romans 12, 4. How many would love that? <laughs> no. The only way we can truly get the text understood that we're in is to go a little bit longer, and that's why we do that. How many understand that? That's why we have a longer Sunday morning service, because we don't have Sunday night service. Anyways, that brings me to the point, the, the text of the point, but encouraging one another and all the more. All the more what? All the more gum together. I praise the Lord. I, you know what? I, I, I told the elders, I hate potluck and I love potluck. How many understand what I'm saying? I love being with you. I truly enjoy that. And if food is what brings you together, let's do it. <laughs> well, that's kind of stupid. But you get the idea. We need to be with each other. We've had two years where we haven't been together as we should be. I'm just being honest. We've had two years where we haven't been able to do the gifts that God has given us to encourage each other face to face. It just hasn't happened. Because the day, by the way, is drawing near. So Hebrews chapter 10, it really brings all of this together in one small package. The giftedness here. God's gifts given to the church for the church. We left with that last week. That's exactly what this is. Verse 3 and 4 says, For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly than you ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted each a measure of faith. That's talking about the gifts. He's given to each a measure. It's like, how many have ever seen Picasso? A Picasso. Or uh, some beautiful artistic, you know, I'm not into that kind of weird stuff. I like the, uh, is it Ensel? Ensel? Or uh, the guy that uses light with nature pictures? Who is that? I just love them. They're, they're, they're woods pictures and they have light coming in and it's just beautiful. Terry Redlin type pictures. But how many of those, how many have seen a Terry Redlin picture? How many think they're beautiful? They're gorgeous. 
And, and some guys, and, and there's even a guy in Minnesota who does it, he brings in the sun in different light and then they, it, it shadows around and it's just gorgeous. Now, Terry Redland has these orange suns or white moons or different things like that, right? Imagine orange is not available. Is that picture as beautiful or no? No, that's what draws you to the picture. Imagine a rough grouse picture without brown. Imagine an elk picture without brown. Or, yeah, all you see is this white butt. Literally. Are colors important, yes or no? I will tell you today, I'm bringing this out because it gives you an insight of what gifts are like. You've seen these pictures. You might not have seen the artist, but that artist has a, a palette. And on that palette, he has all these different main colors. But if he's a real artist, he takes these main colors and he makes other splotches on his palette. And those are mixes of colors. And they just it, the, the, the thing just comes to life. It's like gorgeous and beautiful. It's like, wow, that is gorgeous. How would you do that? I took a little bit of this and I took a little bit of that and I did this and, then, and we did it this way. And, and I'm not an artist. I'm far from an artist. But it's a beautiful picture. God is the perfect artist when it comes to our giftedness. You see, today what He has done is He has taken a little bit, maybe a teaching gift and a helps gift, and a gift of um, encouragement, and he's blended it all together to make, let's say the, I'll, I'll make you say it this way, let's say the, the teach, preaching gift is, let's use my favorite color, purple. <laughs> the teaching, or preaching gift is purple. The teaching gift is red. The help gift is orange. And the um, encouragement gift is uh, blue. None of you in here are one color. God takes a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and mixes it up. And just like a fingerprint, that's the giftedness you've been given. How many understand that? That's the idea behind a measure of faith. It's a little bit of this and a little bit of that, or it's a lot of this and a little bit of that. How many understand that? That's exactly what the giftedness is like in layman terms, if you will, to explain it in our, in, our, in our minds. Hopefully that's helpful. But He has allotted to each and every one of us a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all members do not have the same function. So Paul doesn't use a palette and, and full of colors. Paul uses a body full of parts. Does that make sense? And he says... Take it a step farther. We just talked about artistic things, and I think that's very helpful. It was for me in understanding gifts. But now he takes it to a next level because that art isn't live. The body is. And we have names for bodies that don't have all their parts. What are those names? Lame. Blind. Deaf. What other names? What's that? Mute. 
general thing, handicapped. Why? Because a body part isn't functioning right. Or it's not functioning at all. I will tell you today, in America today, most, if not all, churches are handicapped. Because each and every one of us, according to the text, form this one body. And, and we're going to get into the one body real soon. And many people think of the body as a human body, and that's what we're focused on. There's something greater than that. But we're going to get there. So one body. So we're looking at this body, right? And this body has many different parts. And we'll show you the parts later. I, I should have put it right here, and I didn't. But we have many members in one body. All the members do not have the same function. Could you imagine, let's say we're 70 people here today. Could you imagine 70 people wanting to preach? The issue is 70 people are not gifted to preach. Some people don't even want to come up here and say anything. How many understand that? That doesn't make them weak. It doesn't make them less of a person. It doesn't make them anything different except that God has gifted them differently. And they're super important. Everybody is equal importance, by the way. Amen. All the members, look at this, and all the members do not have the same function. So the eye does something different than the nose, that does something different than the ear, that does something different than, if you have hair, the hair. That do so, and, and you can go on and on, right? What does this one body mean? Immediately our mind, and according to Romans, we go there immediately. The body is this body that we see. And that is the picture he wants to bring out to the Romans. Paul is very clear on that. But it's more than that. The one body, according to other texts of the Bible, by the way, if there's one verse that says something, it's nice to go and find other verses that help that out or work with it to help you understand it. How many say amen to that? It's called cross-referencing. It's awesome. Here's the deal. One body. Colossians 1.18 talks about this. Christ is the head of the body. Got that? He's the head of the body. So this isn't, so far we can say, okay, okay, there's still, Christ is the head of the church. The church is the body. Yes, that is true, but it gets even more intricate and important than that. Ephesians 4.16 the body is held together, how? In Christ. In Christ. It keeps getting better than that. Ephesians 4.12, building up the body of who? This isn't just like we can think of it, a human body, the church. This is Christ's body. How many think that brings it to a different level? We're not talking about, yeah, you know, my finger kind of got out of whack and did its own thing today. This isn't our body we're talking about. This is Christ's body. And to me, that throws it up at a, another level. Here's what it's saying. You are all gifted. Did it say that in the text? It says all members are gifted. Amen? If you are not using your unique fingerprint gift, 
You are affecting the body of Christ. And to, that, that brings it such a huge level, it's like, I'm an idiot. That's what it says to me. I'm an idiot. I'm being selfish when I do not use the gift that God has given and I'm affecting the body of Christ. I think MacArthur said it this way. I'm going to try to remember. He said, when Christ was on earth, we saw His incarnate body. I want you to say amen to that. The church is now His incarnate body. It's what people see of Christ right now. You, the church. You, the church, is all that the world is seeing about Christ. And there are other passages. There are so many passages about gifts. We could be here forever. We really could. About all the gifts that God has given to us. Ephesians 2.16, He reconciles them both in one body. Well, who is He reconciling? He's actually being able to reconcile the Jew and the Gentile together in Christ. That's what it's talking about in Ephesians 2. goes on and you can read it. 1 Corinthians 12.27 is another one. You are Christ's body, making it emphatic again. Not only did He tell this to the church at Ephesus, He's now also telling it to the church at Corinth. You are Christ's body. In other words, and here's what he's saying. Why is he saying this? He's saying it because of this emphatic understanding principle. You are Christ's body, therefore act like it. Amen? Act like it. Use the gift. Listen, in other words, he's saying, listen, I saved you. I changed your heart. I changed your mind. I saved you. I died for you. I resurrected for you. I am in heaven for you. Pleading your case. I've done that all for you. Not only did I do that in your justification, not only did I do all of that just for your salvation, but I also then gave you the tools to use to do the purpose of why you were created. I've given you the tools to minister and serve others so that they can see me and glorify my Father which is in heaven. Do we get that? That's exactly what he's trying to say when he comes in 1 Corinthians dealing with this Romans 12.5, which is our text. It says, we who are many are one body in Christ. We are Christ's body, folks. We can see it over and over and over and over again. The church is the body of Christ. Believers have different gifts. We can see it in 1 Corinthians 12. We can see it. Uh, there is a recognition that God grants believers different manifestations of the Spirit. They have different tools. They're unique if God has given them all believers a unique gift, he has that if God has given all believers a unique gift and he has, if that gift is different yet un, yet unified like body parts and they are, how then in the world can a believer boast? <laughs> Did you follow that? 
I'm going to say that again because it's very important. So let me ask you, did God give you the gift according to the text? Yes or no? Yes, absolutely he did. Are those, <clears throat> it, did God, is, it, is there a recognition that God grants believers different gifts of the Spirit, different measures of faith? Yes or no? Yes. If God has given all believers a unique gift, and he has, if the gift is different than each other, but unified as the body, then how in the world can we say, my gift is the greatest? Look at me. Could you imagine if your big toe said that? I mean, think about that. Hey, look at me, I'm cool. What? No, your big tool, tool, your big toe does what your mind tells it to do until you stub it on something. And then the big toe tells your mouth what to do, <laughs> right? How do we, do we get this? But it's all one body, and whatever one thing does, the other is affected. And the, the one hand, let me ask you this. Whatever thy hand findeth to do, do it mightily as to the Lord. Not only has He given you gifts, but He has told you, use them to, use them, use them, use them, use them as best as you can. The church is the body of Christ. For through the eight grace given to me, I say to everyone, okay, we keep going through this verse, but I want to bring out at the end, okay? For just as we have many members in one body, and how many members? How many? All. There's not a one person in here that is born again, that is born again, that is born again. Get that? There's not a one person in here that is born again that does not possess a gift unique to them, given uniquely by God. Amen? That's the principle we need to understand. All the members do not have the same function. It says that in the next part of the verse. For just as we have many, one body and all the members do not have the same function. We're all different. I'm going to pick on, well, she's not here. I can't pick on her. Where did she go? Ah. <sighs> I don't, I, I don't know. Oh, there she is. I just was looking past her. How many know Cora? She's loud. Boisterous. I mean, she's just oh, an animal, right? No. no. Cora is quiet, sensitive, meek. Would you kids agree? No, not when she's playing. You don't know her. <laughs> I'm, the reason I'm picking on Cora just for a second is you put Cora next to myself or next to someone that's really hyper and stuff. Is there a difference? Is there a difference? You know what? Cora can reach different people than I can. Some people are here and they're like, Holy cow, I can't handle that. <laughs> but then they sit down and it's a cool, calm voice that's just tender, sweet, and they're like, yeah, this is, I can handle this. 
How many understand that? Korah can minister to different people than others can. And, and that's with every one of us. Scott Holm, I'll, I'll, I'm going to pick on him for a second. Some people can't stand sitting and listening because his mind's going a million miles an hour. Would you sons agree with that? You got to do this and this and this and this and take this. Uh, yesterday, yesterday I got home and I, my other son was driving another car that broke when he was driving. <laughs> anyway, and, and who did I call? I called Scott. Hey, what can I do? What do you think of trying to get this bobcat backward? Because I know he's got this analytical mind that just goes through. He's totally different than other people. He is. I'm not going to call Mr. Gaiman and ask him about what the Bible says about emotions. I'm not going to do that. But I would call Mrs. Gaiman. Right? Why? Man, we don't have this stamp of... and we uh, Just like the book, Gentle and Lowly. How many have heard that book? Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> that was a popular book last summer. The most popular book. And he argued that Basically, all Christians need to be gentle and lowly only. That's all they are ever to do. Why would he say that? Now, he was honest in how he wrote it, but most people weren't particular in the particulars. I think he said, most times, <laughs> or sometimes, that's how he wrote it, right? The reality is, was Jesus always gentle and lowly? Oh no. When Jesus is standing in front of the Pharisees and there's a, a woman that they're going, they have stones, they're going to stone her. Literally, the way the Greek is written there, Jesus took the stone and whipped it at him. You throw it first, whoever's perfect. Now, I don't know if they didn't want to get stoned by Jesus or not, but they took off, right? Why? When Jesus went into the temple the first time the first time he went into the temple in his ministry what did he do in the book of john you find it he overthrew the money changers that was certainly gentle and lowly no one is going to do this to my father's house he okay and that wasn't just a mistake on his part by the way he can never make a mistake amen to to, to make sure that you realize that this, what our culture is trying to make you men, by the way, he did it twice. We find from studying all the Gospels, he did it at the beginning and he did it, he did it the first time and then four years later he did it again. Why? Because he cannot and will not put up with nonsense in his father's house. In a sense, this is his father's house. In a sense. What kind of nonsense is the church perpetuating now? I would dare say Jesus Christ would not be so gentle and lowly if he came down right now to set the church straight. 
By the way, months after the book was written and everybody had read it, most of evangelicalism had read it, now it's coming out. Yeah, he's a woke pastor promoting woke things. The reality is, because God has given us the gift, because God has given us uniquely, every one of us, an individual gift for a specific purpose, there is absolutely no way we could ever boast about it. Never. Just like our salvation. The gift was given. Amen? The gift was given. It is not self-manufactured. This gift isn't. It isn't due to your own moral superiority. Amen. It's not because you're so cool. It's this is what you're given. Think about the gift that Paul was given. Paul, you're going to leave and you're going to go to the Gentiles. Yeah, I know you were educated in you are the Jew of all Jews. You're the Pharisee of all Pharisees. You know, I know that that's what you grew up in. That's what you learned. That's what, that's your everything. And I, you, and if if history is correct, he was also very rich. His parents were. If all of that's true, by the way, all of Scripture is true. If the tradition is true, on top of that, God took a man that was totally opposite of what he should have been and made him a dog to the Gentiles. You rich boy, you're going to be beaten. You're going to be left outside of a city dead, stoned to death. You are going to go to the Gentiles and give them the gospel. How out of character of his growing up was that? It's totally opposite. But God gifted him. And let me ask you, did he ever take credit for doing any of that? No. All glory to God. All glory to God. Let me ask you, did God use Paul to turn the world upside down? Oh my, yes. Absolutely. A honest, reasonable, sober is the idea here. Estimate of oneself then recognizes the amount of faith that God has given. How do you know that? Saturate yourself in the Word. Saturate yourself. And in consequence, the consequence of being saturated in the Word, being honest with the text, (laughs) there's no room for pride. There's no room for pride at all. How can there be? Paul then gives us an analogy that clearly represents what Paul is trying to explain and encourage. That the church is an analogous to the human body. The human body is characterized by both unity, is it not? Is the body full of unity? Okay, does the blood flow everywhere? Does it all feed on the same things? Does this hand just go off and do its own thing? Not normally, right? 
The body is unified, yet it's diversified. Is it not? I praise the Lord my eyes don't look like ears and do the same thing. One of the things God has given me, but it's been hindered now because of the work I do, I could literally smell deer within 40 yards of them. Literally, I could literally smell. I'll never forget, I was walking. How many know what drives are? I grew up in a deer-driving maniac family, and I was the grunt. There's a swamp, you go. I'll sit over here. <laughs> but I loved it. Because I'd be in amongst all these guys, and we're pushing this huge, we had a huge family. we pushed through the woods. I remember very clearly in one place, they pushed through the woods, and then I was on the end, and I started walking back. We're walking out of the woods, and I, I could smell it. I could smell them. They had just walked through there. I got within 20 feet foot of that deer. Why? Because God had gifted me with this great smell for some reason. Now I spray lacquer and whatever else in the booth and my nose is gone. But the reality is there's specific things that I could do with that nose that others could not. Does that make sense? God does the same thing with our spiritual gifts. He does the exact same thing. By definition, the human body has many members. The various members have distinct functions. Your foot walks, your hand waves, or claps, or picks nose, right? It does other things that your feet don't. They're unique the various members have distinct functions, unified yet diversified. Although many, there's an idea of diversity of function, our one body in Christ is the unity. So in essence, just like the body works together with the neurons and, and the blood flow and all the things that make us who we are, our hands, our feet, our hair, or whatever it all is, it still functions as one body. We're not saying both of my hands went to dinner. I went to dinner, right? The same thing is with the church. The same exact thing. The believers are individual members of one another. We are members of the body of Christ. You say, well, yeah, yeah, I signed my paper on a membership card. I'm not talking about that. If you're born again, you're a member of the church. You're a member of the body of Christ. Amen? And you have a specific responsibility that God has implanted in you, gifted to you, to use to help the body. The church's unity is due to its incorporation into Christ. Believers are united because they are united with Him, Jesus Christ. Why is the solidarity of the body highlighted when the preceding verse leads us to anticipate the theme of diversity? We are diverse, but yet we're unified. You know, everybody wants to uh, be different. Is that true? You know, I think they just say that. There is a sense in us that we want to be different, and I will tell you, we all are different. 
But there's a sense also that we want to please everybody and be like them. But that's the world. The Bible says each and every one of us are aliens. How's that grab you? What does that mean? That means we do different, we do maybe even some of the same things the world does as long as it's not a sin, amen. But we do it for a different reason, a different motivation, and a different way. There are men in this town that call themselves Christians that literally steal from people. That's not a believer. And if you are truly a believer and you do that, man, I don't want to be around you because God will have His vengeance. And if God doesn't judge, you're probably really not one of His. Paul wanted to emphasize the unity of his body by definition characterized by the diversity of it. Any notion that the unity of the body would lead to a flat kind of equality, an egalitarianism idea is just ridiculous. In that egalitarianism idea is which all the members have the same gifts or even the same amount of faith is foreign to the text. Because it's not about gay rights, it's about human rights. It's not about black lives matter, it's about all lives matter. And I'm not saying that as a political statement. I'm saying it, that's how God sees it. It's not that men and women are superior to one another, it's that they have fulfilled their God-given roles. There is no room for arrogance. By the way, there is no room for racism. It's wicked, it's of Satan, it's wrong. There's no room for hierarchy within the church. (gasps) Oh, let me kiss your hand. Can I kiss your ring? What are you doing? What, What are you doing? By the way, there is no, and my Catholic friends are going to hate this, there is no gift of popacy. It's foreign to the Bible. It's made up, and it's wrong. Christ is our high priest. We are priests to God. Amen. In the church, there's no room for special rights for a specific group or individuals. No, no, a thousand times no. It's wrong. There's no room for this. The way Paul chose to explain this body, the church is the body of Christ, is analogized by the human body. It, It has all these different things that without my hand, I'm in trouble. Without my ears, I'm in trouble. Without my eyes, I'm in trouble. Without my nose, my feet, all these things, I'm in trouble. I cannot do what I was planned, what I was God-given to do. I need all of us to go together and work together to make this happen. Amen. I will tell you this. I hated COVID. What did I do in COVID? Came to church all by myself, had puppets sitting in the pews. 
And I'm not kidding. Who's going to do that? Well, he's there. Who's going to do that? And, and I'm not trying to be prideful or anything. Please, that's the last thing on my list. I could not do it. I'm preaching to a camera. Listen, if that's how God planned everything, then let's get this big screen out because so, heaven's going to be all virtual. Can you imagine that? Now, in all fairness, I'm not, I'm not trying to be political in this whatsoever or it, it, it's just what it is. To be honest with you, if we had another pandemic and they believe that, you know, let's just stay away for a little bit to figure out what's going on, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. We don't know. We need to do something. We don't need to be stupid about it, right? We all know what happened, though. Politics got involved. But the reality is, when we're not together, the body of Christ suffers. Period. It suffers. I'll be honest with you, I have no idea why I'm still standing here. I will faithfully preach the word every opportunity I have. But I can't do it all. I can't. I praise the Lord for people that came in and said, hey, I'll run this for you because I was going bonkers. I was pulling out my hair. Asked my daughter. I was freaking out. I can't get this on there. I can't do that. And the people need it. And I'm just, oh. Here's what I'm trying to say. COVID is a perfect example of what a church is not supposed to be. Because we weren't together. Therefore, the gifts certainly were not being used. We have a fresh start. I've introduced the gifts. Oh my goodness. I'm like one paragraph from the first gift. <laughs> not even that. It's like two sentences. And that's the gift of prophecy. But re regardless, we're out of time. The point is, we have an opportunity right now. We have a church building full of believers that are each individually uniquely gifted. If this body of believers uses the gifts that God has give us, given us the way He wants them done, I will tell you this, this church can turn the world upside down. You can. But when there's five people doing all the work, it's going to be handicapped and it's going to be struggling and limping around, literally. We have plenty of opportunities. Use what God has given us. Next week we'll start, I promise. I promise. If we're still here, we will start with the term prophecy and what does it mean? The gift of prophecy.
so we'll start, Lord willing. with the gift of prophecy. <clears throat> and then we're going to go through all the gifts in Romans and explain each gift. You are not one of those specific ones only. Remember, you're a, a mixture of multiple ones. Some more color than others, right? More, more blue than red or whatever. The reality is we're going to give you all these lists and explain what each one is. Then we're going to go and show you all the gifts, not just the ones mentioned in Romans. We're going to go to all of them, the 1 Corinthians ones, the Ephesians ones, and we're just going to explain them because we're living in a world today that believes even the sign gifts that, 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 that shows that God's with you are for today. They are not. They are not. We have the word of God. Listen, folks, God does not speak audibly to anybody right now. He has given us the word of God. And by the way, if he did speak someone audibly, they had better write it down because that is now considered Bible. But people don't think about that. Reality is we got to go through, I wanna, we're going to go through all these gifts. My goal is that you realize and enjoy how blended God made you. And with every ounce of gusto you got, give it all for the Lord. Amen? And you will realize how awesome it is. I could preach four hours and I wouldn't, I, I would, I'd love it. We're not going there, Pastor. No, we're not going there. Because I love using the gift that God has given me. So while I like this and I like that, if you have never used the gift, I can't wait till you're using it and it's like, oh wow, I can't, I'm gonna get rid of everything and just do this. Because that's what's happening in my life. And that's how God designed it. Look at Paul. Look at Peter. Look at all the rest of them. They gave up everything to use the gift that God gave. I pray that the church will do that. I pray that next week they'll be ready. Okay, prophecy number one. That'll be great there. Okay, before we quit, I do have one other thing I gotta show you because I didn't get there. <clears throat> there are the gifts, all right? There are all the gifts. But just, if we can just get what Paul had in mind, Man, I can't believe I put that all the way down at the end. There he is. Yes. All right. This is so important. If we understand this, each of us that don't use the gift that God has given should be ashamed. We should literally be ashamed. This is what we have. In our body of believers today, what are we missing? From God's side of the thing, we're missing nothing. But because Christians aren't using their gifts, we're missing a lot. And therefore handicapped. We're called to serve this town. It's pretty hard to serve it being handicapped. I want you to understand this. I want to leave you with this picture because 
you are one of those. It can't talk without a mouth. It can't hear without an ear. It can't smell without a nose. It can't walk without a foot. What is Northland? What are we? I pray that we will, by the time we get done with this text, yes, there we go. We can be pure, focused on God, and reveling in the giftedness that God has granted us by His grace. Man, wouldn't that be awesome? I pray. I pray that that will be true in the end. All right, this time, I, I think I actually went past it. There it is. Mr. Zarin, do you want to come up, please, and close this in a word of prayer? Let's stand and we'll be dismissed in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the preaching of the Word of God, Father. We thank you again for this day that we have set aside to honor mothers. Father, we are so thankful for mothers everywhere. But Father, we are especially thankful for those godly mothers who will take the time to teach their children the ways of God and to be an example to them. Father, I just thank you again, you big woman, to compliment and complete the man. Father, we are so thankful for that. Help, Father, help us to never, ever put the woman in a, in a lower place than we are, but Father, to honor them. Thank you again for this time. We just give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.